and microphone, all of that. Awesome. But I think we're all, you know, everything's already sorted out. So I think, yeah, we got good, good transmission. Everything's yeah, good on good. my end. Yeah, awesome. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Always exciting it's to talk like about the... two years since... Or always excited, and there might be some delay. There might be some lag, so I'll go ahead and give everything like a like a five second window. Yeah, it's a good idea. Gotcha. Yeah, it, but yeah. It, I, was, I was just saying, it's been almost two years since I first pitched the idea of an interview. Oh, it has. Wow, I man, time has flown, and you know, I've been doing this full time, nonstop, every day. So, uh, I know, I know the the fort the wheel of fortune kind of spins and at one point man i was having like dozens of people contacting me every month for interviews and for discussions and being on groups and debates and things like that and um you know when i started this podcast it was never really my intention to be like uh, uh someone who does like the interview circuit or something uh, but it was something that I was like, I realized was good for the message, good for the channel. And if I went and like, you know, talk to people in their audiences and everything like that, I could help bring, you know, my message to them and the, just the truth to them and stuff like that. And so I started doing that. Uh, but even then, man, I'm sorry if I, if I missed your invite, uh, it's all been new to me. It's all been learning from square one. This is not something I ever planned on, on doing it. It's still something that, it's 100% amateur and, 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 you know, passion project. I'm not professional at all at this. So what I do is I didn't go to school for this. I know I didn't, I didn't have any kind of background in this. I don't have an agent. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's like one of those things where, yeah, if I answer an email, you know, it's all because I saw it. If it's in, if it's, if it's up to that, it's up to that, like fate almost. But yeah, I've talked to over 36 different podcasts in two years and then, uh, now I'm kind of like a persona non grata. I'm kind of like an outcast in exile when it comes to that, the typical circuit, the typical circular talking heads and stuff like that. The chuckle foxes, I call them, because that's basically what they, I mean, I don't want to name too many names here, but the chuckle fucks are basically just a bunch of groups of comedians who turn conspiracy podcasters who like to sensationalize and, you know, make fun of and mock instead of, they're not real truthers, they're not real alternative historians or researchers or scientists of any kind of imagination or, you know, intellects of any kind of respectable origin. And so, fuck it, exactly, yeah. like, you know, exactly, less less time I'm wasting than better for me, but... Yeah, looking forward to talking about the Dark Fleet. Always looking forward well, to we, talking about it. We could get it. into that. I was. Well, I mean, I like, yeah, I talk about of the actual alt media community. So. <clears throat> no, I talk about a lot of things. I talk about if we want to talk shit about anybody specific. No, I mean, I don't. I don't do that drama circles thing. I know, like YouTube and stuff have evolved into, but no, I think that's the type of degeneracy. I think that really is kind of more like, uh, like you know, like just. It's, it's garbage. It's not message. It's not uh, fact. It's not, you know, unveiling of a truth or disclosure, especially like in the UFO Twitter world and stuff. I mean, it's the reason kind of why I don't even delve too deep into ufology and because UFOs and have been basically hijacked by the personalities of the researchers or the presenters or the 
whatever, you know, you want to call them the celebrity talking heads, like, and it's not about the subject matter anymore. It's about the people who discuss the subject matter. And it's like, at some point, you know, less is more, you know, I'm saying like, less I know about that, the better I'm off. So I don't really try to keep up with anything too, too much when it comes to like the SSP or, you know, uh, disclosure, uh, and that's been starting since like 2022. It's very recent. It's now only been like two years, you know, since I've actually stopped really like, you know, wanting to care and stuff like that kind of got over the, the, uh, fucking, uh, threshold, the threshold of, of needing to be heard or wanting to keep up with the Joneses or celebrities, you know, needing to think of view counts or the reply counts or the mm-hmm. ratio and stuff like that. You know, well, before we get started, you know, I have your bio from your Odyssey channel, which is an independent Texan journalist and military strategist. You know what it says. But, like, I, from that Darkfleet video, like, I would consider you kind of like an SSP whistleblower. Would you say that? Yeah, it would be fair. Uh, in my work, I, I would say that that bio was kind of uh, too old when I wasn't really willing to say everything but yeah i would say throughout my regression regression of memories and, and and uh you know collecting of myself uh through various means that yeah i'm an ssp uh survivor 20 and back through solar warden uh what i know is what i learned in service i have my own personal experiences that's all i talked you know uh, about and that's the length and extent that i talk about about the SSP breakaway civilization is my experiences, what I learned to be fact, who I'm in contact with, the insiders that I know about. Um, I don't try to openly contradict anybody uh, with that statement, but with that statement, I hold to my guns. I hold to my version of truth. I hold to that as, you know, that happened. That's not uh, metaphysical or a dream or anything. These were, Memories collected in dreams, but like many disclosure eyewitnesses before me, public informants, uh, you know, people who brought testimony, whistleblowers, whatever you would like to call them, and they are whistleblowers in that sense. They are people bringing public testimony, public, uh, you know, uh, informants. They're they're bringing uh, eyewitness experience to the public, you know, at the risk of their own lives because there is a cover-up. There is a lot at stake terms of uh, social negative repercussions, consequences, and the outright uh, things like gang stalking, uh, economic destruction, bird notice, uh, social hit jobs. Uh, you know, and that's the thing. If you say gang stalking is the real consequence for this, I mean, that could be everything from electronic harassment, real, real torture shit, to... You know, people you think are your friends and family spying on you and, you know, slowly poisoning you with arsenic over the course of, like, a decade. You know, we're talking shit, like, real, like, you know, Uncle Ted, you know, type stuff. Like, uh, you know, when you go off that edge, when you start talking the real truth, when you start delving into, like, your real memories and start talking about other people's experiences and the programs and stuff like that, you're into some really dangerous territory. And so, yeah, I would say these people are eyewitnesses. I'm an eyewitness. I bring forward that truth. But, yeah, I don't uh, say, like, and to say, for example, Elana Danan, 
I'm not some avatar chosen speaker figurehead and everything I say is gospel truth and I talk about all these things every week, you know, at a certain time and I channel or and I don't have anything like that. I have my experiences, I have my memories. This is a reality. This is absolutely reality. But, you know, because I say this, I don't say that that contradicts other people's realities or uh, this is the only truth. It's just truth is everything. Everything is real, happening all at once, all the time. Not only are the people experiencing the secret space program, but the people conducting it, there are levels beyond them, there are levels below them, uh, that are extraordinary in their own right, just like how every walk of life or every individual lives a life that is unique and strange and symbolic and meaningful and uh, from the corporate world to the you know high-tech world to the low-tech world to the religious world to the spiritual world, there are secret societies, there are groups, there are control factors, there are elemental powers and provinces that have gone back for thousands of years and this is every single walk of life that you're going to be really breaking down and like entering and discussing so mine is no different mine is no different it just so happens to be connected with the secret space program solar warden and all the information that i've gathered you know as a i would think an intelligence operative or just a very intelligent officer inside Solar Warden, you know, over 20 years, um, to have gathered a lot of intelligence on the matter, a lot of information that I think has been validated by others, that I think uh, shows a high degree of accuracy, detail, uh, and really just kind of fits. It really just kind of like absolutely, I mean, it's not contradictory or it's very concurrent, it's very uh, consistent. With, with what I would say is the authentic, authentic SSP um, reality, you know, the, 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 the facts. So do you consider yourself a, a, a 20 and back? Yeah, absolutely. 20 and backer? Yeah, a 20 and back survivor. That's what okay. we, well, that's what, you know, it's been called. But the 20 and back is the experience of serving for 20 years, then being returned through time travel, whatever fancy name you want to give it. Uh, 20 and back, you know, that's the thing, it's all semantics, it's all semantics, but whatever you would like to call it, there, there's a quantum type effect to all of this, there is a lot of reality to have to, you know, uh, accept, and that is time travel's real, time travel's not only real, but it's actually extremely easy to do, uh, once you're, once you're at this level, especially with extraterrestrial technologies, and so this is standard operating procedure that people who are involved in these programs are routinely sent back through time into returned before they accomplished this or after they did and allowed to resume their normal lives. And because they can control time, you can literally freeze time, conduct yourself in between time, go back in time, reverse time. It becomes like tenets. And it, I always try to use Hollywood examples because I'm a common person. I'm a very, I understand, I'm, I went through college, but I understand working class people you know, people don't have educations, things like that, like classical, like senses. I'm not saying philosophical, like, you know, high-tech concepts, but Tenet. If you ever watch Tenet, there's people going one way in time, and there's people going the other way in time, right? And there's investigating, you know, like they kind of show the special effects, and people get really tripped out of the bullets going back in the gun and stuff. It's 100% the case. Once time travel's real and you accept that as the absolute operating principle of our world, 
There are factions going one way in time, factions going the opposite, factions trying to get as far away from our moment as possible to set up operations in the past that would create dominance in the future. People going as far into the future as possible to grab technology to bring it to the past, which is our present. Uh, you have agencies trying to stop them. You have agencies policing them. You have extraterrestrials involved that evolved in that landscape, et cetera, et cetera. So that being said, yeah, they they get you as a child in this 20-year-and-back program. They get you as a child, and then they let you age well, up. Hey, before, we get too far, before we get too far into this, why don't we hit record and start, oh, yeah. start really doing this? Oh, yeah, I've been recording <laughs> since we started. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Okay, well, I'll let you. It's You've your got program. A lot to say, clearly, you, it's your program. You can do your introduction. All right, let, me, let me hit record and you know just set this up and do the intro and then yeah, yeah. we'll get into all of this. It's, it's sounding great. I just don't want to miss it. You know. No, absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's jump into it. Uh, take it away. And all like right, I said, just yeah. FY. Just FYI, I know you're already recording, but I did have food poisoning all day yesterday, so if I'm burping a lot. And hopefully I won't have to get up, but just be aware, you know. We're only human. Yep. Life happens. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Ready? <clears throat> this meeting is being recorded. Welcome, New Templars. I'm Dylan Lewis Monroe, a.k.a. A145, the map maker, here today with Beyond Top Secret Texan, who is an independent journalist military strategist, an SSP whistleblower, and a 20 and back survivor. Um, I first heard about a top secret Texan when I saw his Dark Fleet videos a couple years ago, which I actually made my own video essentially rehashing a lot of that information because it was so mind-blowing. So many details that I just had never heard someone else discuss before. And, you know, with that level of detail, you know, it really, I know I believe in the 20 and back program, I definitely believe there are um, what you would call super soldiers or, you know, people from the SSP that reenter civilian life and have testimony to give. And I really believe that this guy is one of them. And so he has a lot to tell us. And um, one of the reasons I, I brought you on today is because I think there has been an increasing interest in a lot of things relevant to this discussion, um, some of those being Antarctica. Uh, New Schwabenland, Nazis, Vril, and what goes with that is the Dark Fleet. And so hopefully we can talk about all that today as well as a little more general about your experience. But welcome to the show, Top Secret Texan. Thank you for having me on. Uh, always, uh, you know, always great to be able to speak about this uh, subject. It deserves a lot more attention than it normally gets. And... Um, you know, I hope I can answer your questions. I can hope I can hit all your points. Thank you. Looking forward to it. I think any insight you bring, the audience will find very interesting. But why don't we kick this off uh, with you just giving us maybe a quick little introduction to yourself as well as a platform update? Because I know I originally saw your Dark Fleet videos on YouTube. And that channel is no longer there. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did check out your link bio. I think you're on Odyssey. And you have like another podcast, but tell us where people can find you and, you know, what you're up to nowadays. Yeah. Um, okay. So Beyond Top Secret Texas is the name of the game. Beyond Top Secret Texas uh, broadcast uh, on PodPage. So it's podpage.com slash Beyond Top Secret Texas, you know, as the web link that you're going to want to save and write down because that's where I'm currently operating. That's my web page. It has all my podcast episodes. 
um, the videos I'm looking to try to upload this year onto the website as well. But currently, the only place you can find the videos, which number, I would say, just over 600, just over 600 videos I've done on the various subjects inside the Breakaway Civilization slash Secret Space Program slash Super Soldier Program, SSP stuff. Um, and it's a, and it's, you know, a huge spectrum of the topics inside that one, you know, that, that huge umbrella of topics. Those 600 videos are available on odyssey.com, um, <clears throat> you know, odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com, and type in Beyond Top Secret Texan. Two channels will pop up. This is a little complicated. I know it's not ideal, but it, like you said, it was linked to the old YouTube channel, and the old YouTube channel is no longer available because YouTube took it down. The reason why everyone takes it down is because the truth I tell is actually very real, dangerous to the establishment, non-political, just straight facts. I shoot straight. I talk for an hour, typically, on average. And it is a non-stop uh, stream of consciousness disclosure. It's not looking at the same case files over and over again or talking about the few you know, breadcrumbs of disclosure the government likes spoon-feeding people. It talks about the historical from the 1800s all the way to the, you know, near future, basically, in terms of uh, real secret space program activities, breakaway civilization activities, secret society, run programs, uh, top-secret military programs, the truth behind everything from, like, uh, war to uh, politics to... Uh, the idea of reality itself in many cases. Now, those videos are all on Odyssey. Uh, they were made from 2019 to 2000, I would say, 22. Oh, no, I'd say 2021. So those are about two years worth of work. I switched over to podcast, you know, uh, seriously around 2020 to 2000, you know, till about now. When this year, in 2024, my Spotify-hosted podcast, Beyond Top Secret Texan, was canceled and was deplatformed by the powers-to-be. They finally got that one. So don't be, uh, don't be slow on hitting that up where, when and where you can. Download those episodes on your own, on hard drives, external hard drives. Save that content, reshare that content, mirror that content on your channels. I'm looking to try to upload or share it all at a rumble uh, and get it, you know, spread out as much as I can. But, uh, okay. So this is nothing new either. I've had a TikTok channel, uh, taken down with over a billion views on the videos. I've had Facebook taken down. I've had Instagram taken down with, uh, over 3000 followers and over 10,000 posts. I've had, um, I want to say a Twitter, that reached 10,000 uh, subscribers and then has been shadow banned and slowly the followers have just decreased in my game tell like it's just total throttle and gate shadow banning of all the posts you know I mean I got 10,000 followers on Twitter it's nothing to sneeze at that's nothing that's nothing light that's like you know an impressive you know for without a blue check mark and stuff like that posting UFO videos I mean what I do is I what I do I post evidence, I post dark web videos, I post uh, obscure interviews, 
uh, public domain type stuff, uh, everything from lectures of old ufologists to occult material to historical stuff. Like lately, the reason why I think the Spotify was taken down is because I started going very political, very real world, very breaking news type thing. Uh, direction with it and at that point you know it becomes something that it's very different the whole experience of listening to the podcast is very different than your traditional speculative uh ufologist or skeptics approach to things it's unique and uh i've been doing it full-time labor of love for five years now so if you want to catch the podcast, if that's more your style, there's over 500 episodes on the podcast, podpage.com slash beyond top secret Texas. And, uh, the episodes, the videos, if you like videos, if you like the old school content, I mean, I do, I, I go to YouTube still and I watch videos that are like eight years old, 10 years old still, you know, like I, I still go back and refresh my mind with that kind of delivery. Um, you know, you see the image and you hear the, you know, it starts kind of like, you know, piecing things together a lot. I know people are like, they like that a lot. And I, I do too. So if you want to see those videos, odyssey.com right now is the place to go. It has all those videos saved. And, um, like you said, the dark fleet video that, that made the rounds that, that went big. Uh, that went big. That was probably one of my biggest videos. The reptilian video is also a very popular video, but I talked about in those video series, I talked about every extraterrestrial species. I talked about every faction in the breakaway civilization space program uh, system, like the the kind of those those, uh, those orders and those organizations there. I talked about world history. I talked about the exploration history, uh, the colonization history, first with the moon and then with Mars elsewhere. Uh, everything from the Astra High Command to dark energy life vampires. Uh, and everything in between. I talked about the reality behind, uh, like, the Vietnam War and stuff like that. Uh, the Dark Fleet. I have two videos dedicated to the Dark Fleet and uh, many different videos dedicated to technologies and, and methodologies used by the Dark Fleet, like cloning, uh, Vril, uh, the, everything from the Giza intelligence to uh, the Anunnaki and their origins there to the creation of the Harnabo and the Andromeda Garat ships, and then the even now into the future, where they are currently now by 2024, you know, basically the first extraplanetary colonists, you know, uh, in, in human history, extrastellar colonists, they're on a different solar system, a different star system, and they've returned a few of them have, at least a small proportion have, in order to oversee the protection and um, security of Earth. And they've done that by returning a large amount of their uh, fighting force, well, not a majority of it, but a significant amount of it, the elite, to the lunar surface and to Greenland and what was formerly Tule Base. And this is just current, you know, stuff that's going on with the Dark Fleet, like I said, I only talk about my experiences, which began in 1996 and ended in 2016. And so my memories are a snapshot of that era, of, two, of 1996 to 2016. With everything I know being either first-hand education, um, you know, basically, if you can imagine reading 
are learning about through video and, and, and presentation, you know, while in service of Solar Warden about the Dark Fleet and about their history, much like you would learn about Nazi Germany in America by watching History Channel, by watching movies, by watching interviews, by watch, reading books. It is that level of knowledge. I'm not saying I was ever aboard a Dark Fleet ship or engaged in any kind of dramatic you know, uh, adventures with the Dark Fleet or anything, but more that it was a reality that was just as real as anything else. Um, you know, as real as just the present day. And we, I did my best, and we were taught our uh, as much as possible about the Dark Fleet and taught to, um, you know, respect them, but also to understand that they were not Solar Warden and that we differed on significant philosophical issues which forced the creation of our organization because of the inherent danger of Dark Fleet in terms of its uh, loyalties and obsessions with reptilian or Orion Draco technologies. And um, there's a lot to say about that, where their true loyalties actually lie. Uh, is it to the human race? Is it to the Orion Draco, the Vril? Uh, you know, the real species that is the Orion Draco, uh, their technology is more alien than human at this point, although it was the pinnacle of human technology when it started. A lot of changes have happened uh, in the Dark Fleet, for example. And to say the Dark Fleet, just the name, the Dark Fleet, it's a huge concept. It's a huge concept. It means so much. It's everything from its origins in the 1800s to... Uh, the Nazi Third Reich to the now, you know, you know, chimeric hybrids reptilian species that is that is this um, real super ubermensch, you know, like basically Castle Wolfenstein in space, and that is one hundred percent, you know, an accurate statement in saying what they are. So it isn't it isn't so much what it was. But focusing on any part of what it is, you know, it, it can it can take a you know it can blow your mind. It can it can really overload you in terms of like if you're if you're not if you're a normie and ready to jack into this world, you know, you have to take it piecemeal. So yeah, Nazis in space, uh, got to like summarize it in like the Flintstone vitamin, you know, form, and it's just basically, you know, pill press Nazis in space, and but you know what does that really you know translate to? But it means. It means just that the dark fleet, the not waffen, you know this this uh, iceberg in itself. Yeah, but I, I would love to actually you know answer any questions or talk about it. Yeah, but yeah, like, really, I, I, you've I, already I, dropped a lot of truth bombs. <laughs> well, like I'll admit, um, like my my yeah, experience just... is Solar Warden. Solar Warden is the U.S. Navy. It it's its own. It's Rockefeller controlled. Uh, with the Rothschild funding of the British and, uh, you know, in itself. So I can talk a lot about that, but the Dark Fleet itself is something that's darker. Uh, I mean, obviously the Dark Fleet, you know, they always say that, but it's like, it's it's darker in a sense of it's clones, it's slaves, it's uh, people who are enslaved by Vril uh, to... Basically, like these real nuns, these these virgin witches who uh, can make men like possessed with a type of uh, motivation that that is above 
you know, simple human nature. It's, it's, a, it's a superhuman type of, like, uh, focus and connection to this energy real that powers them. Um, and, and they're really big into cybernetics and, like, replacing organics or organic parts and limbs with mechanical, you know, uh, prosthesis. Uh, they're really big into war. It's entirely a very martial uh, society, but they're also big into exploration. They're big into science. They're big into engineering. And uh, these categories, these elements, they're unmatched. They would probably have the highest levels of technology of any human faction in the secret space program. They probably have reached more area, more actual territory in the solar system, ours as well as others, than any other faction. Um, they basically operate further from earth than any other faction in the human race ever can or has. And the reason why they're called the dark fleet isn't so much their practices or their attitudes or their, you know, karma, but it's, uh, the fact that they operate in literally pitch black, you know, uh, space, like basically the void of space where there is no solar energy. There is no sunlight there it, it, in those environments. It is absolutely, uh, like type of black beyond black. It's a type of, uh, like literally a type of almost radio blackness and darkness of all sensory equipment because there is nothing you're, you're in the absolute void. You're in the void. They are absolutely able to pass that void between our solar system and the next solar system, which is where currently Voyager is, for example. That is the void. There is no light in those gaps because the light is, you know, if you see like the sun from Pluto, it's like, you know, it's a, it's, it's a tiny little speck. It's, it's just this little, you know, darkness. Like you're actually, they're operating out there by Neptune, by Pluto. Uh, by the subplanets, even past Pluto and stuff like that, they, they operate without a connection towards the the heliosphere. And the heliosphere is very important to, uh, you know, basically all other life in the solar system. They don't operate too far away from the sun, the Stargate. Uh, but Dark Fleet does. Dark Fleet absolutely does. Well, let me pitch you a, a sort of complex question, which has to do with. Um, I guess primarily like alliances and, you know, who's on which side. Because, you know, a lot of us in the truth community were trying to figure out who's the good guys and who's the bad guys. And, you know, we were taught growing up that like Hitler was the bad guy. Um, but now a lot of there's like a lot of people researching World War II and seeing that Hitler wasn't that bad for the German people and that the allies kind of instigated it. Not that that's my opinion. I'm saying Hitler's a good guy. But uh, we see Trump has German heritage. We just saw Juan Savin going to Antarctica, which is one of the main reasons I wanted to do this video, because um, I'm just like, what the hell is up with that? And I do, I have this book, I haven't read it yet, but Empire Beneath the Ice uh, by Stephen Quayle, which is very comprehensive. It gets into a lot of subjects, even way beyond Antarctica. Um, I, I still need to read it, but I feel like I've already heard a lot of what's in there. Um, I'm also reading this one, The Occult Secrets of the Real by Robert Seffer. That's, this is a short one, I'm kind of halfway through already. Um, but so now, you know, I've been hearing that there's like this ancient battle between this Kazarian satanic faction and the Aryans, which the Nazis were allied with. Um, but then there's also kind of some evidence that the Nazis were infiltrated by them and the Nazis were kind of under their, 
uh, partial command of the Jesuits in the Vatican, which, you know, that goes back to the same kind of like Anunnaki um, Kazarian faction. So it's like, it's kind of seems like everybody's bad when you really do the math, but then these bad factions are fighting each other at the same time. So uh, I guess the, I'll summarize that question is like, Oh, and then you said like Solar Warden is working for or is under the control of Rockefeller, which that's obviously, you know, part of the Rothschild, same mm -hmm. Kazarian banking dynasty. So how is how is a operation controlled by Rockefeller? I don't know if you would say at war or like antagonistic against the Dark Fleet, which is Nazi, which is ultimately, um, you know, controlled by the Aryans, I, I would say. So how does that all resolve? And I, my main question here is. Like, what is going on in Antarctica now? And how do you interpret Juan O'Savin? I'm, I'm assuming you know about Juan O'Savin and him being in Antarctica recently. I actually don't know uh, who that is. and But if it's somebody like the elite going to Antarctica, um, I think the big push to Antarctica was around, like, uh, the last Obama term was super telling, as that something important is down in Antarctica, obviously, and the world leaders go and visit this thing. Uh, I think John Kerry, I know uh, the, the patriarch Kirill of the Eastern Orthodox religion, Putin's been down there, uh, Buzz Aldrin and all them went down there. Remember when Buzz Aldrin texted, it's evil, and down in Antarctica and stuff. I mean, people go to Antarctica. Why, why, do, why, do, why are people going to Antarctica? I don't know the individual you're speaking of. Uh, now, well, I can... Just, uh, I can, Osavin is... Um, thought to be, or he is connected with Trump, like he's been seen at Trump rallies, like in the front row, oh. and he, he speaks on kind of Trump's behalf. He's like one of the only insiders in Trump's inner circle that actually speaks about yeah. Q and the Q operation okay. on public radio broadcasts. So it is something with the like, so it's world like, leaders. For yeah. me, it's like, why would a, he's considered like a white hat, yeah. and so I'm like, why would a white hat be in Antarctica? Yeah, like, is, is there, I'm sure there's multiple bases there, you know, there's the original mm -hmm. New Schwabenland, and then there's obviously like the UN outpost, which is pretty much the only two that are really publicly disclosed and there's probably several other scientific ones um but what what is like the main one these, these world leaders are probably visiting is it new schwabenland well see they go to visit many things it's not um i don't think it has to do with the dark fleet because historically i, I will answer your question um chronologically to get to the point where i'm going to make now and that is the dark fleet doesn't need a, a base in antarctica dark fleet actually controls and is the dominant military force in the secret space programs, um, having achieved victory over the other secret societies, like you're aware of, that include Rothschilds, that includes the Rockefellers, that include the Khazarian Mafias, the Vatican, the Jesuits specifically inside the Vatican, and, you know, all the other people. But then they each, each have their own space program, as it turns out, through their own fundings. And the big prize is... And has always been having the connection with these extraterrestrials or ultra-terrestrials or however what you want to call them. Uh, these other civilizations of greater technological ability that have greater political pull, but them themselves exist in a balance, a stasis amongst other empires and factions of species, both internally and externally in their own right. So you get into this really, like, you know, you. how do we get to the point of Star Wars? How do we get to the point that we're in fucking Star Wars right now, right? Like, we're, we're having to deal not only as an internal species, we have to figure out our leadership, who's going to be our representatives, our factions, our powers, who's going to rule the human race, 
and who's going to be the emperor of man and who's going to be the leader of the world's militaries, etc. And who's going to do what? And how are we going to present ourselves as a species to extraterrestrials in that term? Like, think about in terms of like that. You're not only having to deal with the individuals, but your own place inside multiple species of societies or a society made up of multiple species and multiple uh, potential threats, alliances. They can all tip your balance, both internally and externally, right? Like, yeah, we're, we're busy fighting over who's going to be the secret society leader cabal and on earth then we encounter a species of ravenous insects that basically just devour the entire planet's biomass because we're too busy arguing about who has more money you know or, or who has who's going to rape whose kids basically who gets to do the blood sacrifice you know this sunday whose god is better and stuff that's what i'm saying so how do we get to the point of Star Wars reality? Well, we got to hammer out all the bullshit internally, which is what human history is and the history of the Dark Fleet best represents. So by the time the Dark Fleet itself becomes possible, it's the 1800s or 1700s, people don't know this, but airships have been researched and airships have been a reality in European royalty and in engineering courts since the Renaissance days. They've been able, since Leonardo da Vinci designed balloons, hot air balloons, things like that. There, If you read like Tartaria, Napoleon's airships, uh, the Prussians liked, you know, flying airships just for fun. There were Baltic or Balkan states that had rocket technology because they liked fireworks. Asians already dealt in fireworks. They knew how to make rockets that could that could, you know, compare to SpaceX and stuff like that out of bamboo. And they would just use them to blow up for fun as well as military technology. They had rockets already in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance and stuff. They had our cannons. They had artillery. They knew how to get things, you know, projected upward, right? The idea is that uh, before the Wright brothers, mankind was just like clunking, you know, like stones on the ground and had no concept of how to fly. It's, it's incorrect. Uh, and even then, the pursuit of, like, powered flight was international. There was a Mexican individual who had sustained flight for several uh, days, and then he decided to kind of basically park his research. There were French people who invented airplanes before the Wright brothers. There were British people who invented airplanes, just like the steam engine before American inventors. What we know is the invention of these technologies is a very gate-kept lie. Right, So basically, a thing that happens in the 1800s, in the late 1800s, is a thing called the Sonoran Airship Society. The Sonoran, um, uh, was it, it's basically the Sonorans Club. It was the Sonora Club. And the Sonora Club was a, Robert Sepper has talked about this. They know about this as a fact because an art book of collected journals and paintings and memories from someone who was actually involved, was found and preserved in Houston at an art museum. They first thought it was a bunch of sketches, like an invention, like a, like a narrative of fiction. And it turns out it wasn't. It was a group of private and wealthy, well-bred Germans from Prussia. Remember, the Prussian Empire, the German Empire, stretched from Latvia and Lithuania all the way down to Belgium. It's a huge number of people from potential sources that engineering backgrounds, castles, established merchants, trade societies, princes, things like that. So all these people 
would gather in New Mexico and Sonora Desert, I mean, in Arizona and the Sonora Desert of California and stuff like that and fly balloons. New Mexico is still famous for hot air balloons, right? And from this very essential background, you have an aeronautical breakaway civilization. You have a group of people and their servants who have experience flying, who have a passion to fly, who have the money to create just the largest airships that can zeppelins that can take hundreds of people. This is really where the research comes from. And guess who they're inviting to the crew? Rockefellers are going to see. Tesla knows about them. Uh, these men are engineers in their own right, and they're but they're not capitalists because they have fortunes. They're Prussians. They have they're Aryans. They have ancestral gold and you know valuable land and stuff. Money to them is really not an app like. Uh, uh, they have more than they could ever need. It's not a value system. They're, they're never going to run out until the 1900s comes. At that point, the banking takeover around 1902, the Rothschild International Banking starts setting its sight on Germany uh, and basically destroying the German Empire, right? And this is the events that lead into World War One. Uh, World War II, etc. So really you start seeing them kind of being crunched politically by these societies like Rockefeller and his masters and the Rothschilds, the Khazarian Mafia that greases the wheels and all kinds, and the 13 noble black families of Italy that become the Vatican after the Vatican falls in the 1800s, etc. So basically you're seeing all these evil powers. And you're right, there seems to be a neutral, if not good, a neutral option in this, that breakaway civilization of a group of people who cannot win a war, but they can build technologies that may save them, either by allowing them to always travel and never be caught. And this is, goes back into the days of the traditions of like the air princes and the sky princes in Europe and stuff. So this is where they're getting the inspiration. What if they could build basically a flying city? What if they could build uh, these, this interconnected network of airships and airports in the New World and in Europe and in Africa and in Asia that would be in very isolated geographical regions that only certain people would be, have even knowledge of what we would call a secret military base, a secret air base, a bunker. You could put all the balloons in an underground bunker when there was storms outside or something, or you wanted to hide and land for a couple of days, live underground, then come out of the mountains and fly back off. Wow, what a concept, right? It's what we do today. And it's so wow, what a concept. It's the 1800s, though, right? So this is like, there's not internet going to break news stories, but you start seeing newspapers. Mr. Mythos of YouTube fame did a video about this, the ultra-terrestrials, where airships in the 1870s and 1880s are landing and literally having conversations with people on the ground. And they're men of German origin, usually bearded individuals like engineers or respected gentlemen of the day. They are talking about itineraries, getting supplies, you know, uh, political matters, people like you and me. But the, the idea of borders, they don't need a passport. They fly in an airship in a time when there are no airships. <laughs> they, they, no, they, the airplane hasn't been invented yet officially. Yet they're, like, They fly wherever they want. They land. I need cattle. I need sugar. I need grain. I have servants. People come and go. You start seeing that there's a lot of evidence around this time for people fully investing in private air travel 
nomad, like aerial nomads, that is your roots of the Dark Fleet because those men overall are Aryans and uh, Prussians at that. Either that or they're internationally connected cosmopolitan type figures who have no loyalties to the earth. Like the most educated people in the world, right? Like, so that's who's... So when you get to this point, what is... Do you know what the Anunnaki is? Obviously, you're reading the Vril Society, so you know the Anunnaki. The people of the Third Reich were not drooling savages who walked around with armbands just punching Juden. They were sophisticated scholars and professors and, you know, educated travelers and anthropologists, and they could speak many languages. They were, like, you know, polymaths. They, were, they studied, like, Eastern religions like the Vedas. They studied, like, tantric Eastern mysticism, and, you know, they were, like, interested in, like, Islam and things, Atlantis, the Theosophic Society. This is who they were. This is obviously the people that are, you know, say if, if you're at some point of intersection, these are basically the people. They're all in the same group. It's this super wealthy cabal of really educated, spiritually awake people who have technology and money, right? They, with uh, the historians led by Himmler, create the shadow hit the Nazis, uh, the Basically, the Anunnaki, the SS, the occult Nazis, the, the, the Nazis that everyone knows are real but no one wants to speak about. Not Hitler, not the goons in the army, not the people doing the camps, not those idiots. The people doing all the Indiana Jones shit. The people looking for the spear that stabbed Christ. The people looking in the Amazon for the Atlanteans and the pyramids. The people in U-boats going to Antarctica. The people who, after the war still operate for, like, decades afterwards that we know about, like the Hellboy-type Nazis, the Brasputins, the mad scientists, the engineers, the people who are trying to create Wunderwaffens and, you know, the Harnabo and the Die Glocker and the Bell and all that. These people, the people that when you say Nazi, you think mad scientist-type Nazis, like, those people. The Anunnaki is very real, right? That's, like, where the celebrity was, but people also have to accept that they've been lied to about history. Up until 1938, the reason why, like, Indiana Jones, there's, like, Nazis in Egypt, and no one is like, oh, we need to kill these people, they're Nazis, they were at war, is because until 1938, they could travel wherever they wanted. There was no war. <laughs> there was, yeah, there was war. They, it wasn't like, it's, in the, it's like in Casablanca. Yeah, Nazis weren't welcome, but they were just a part like of the world like everyone else. If they showed up to a bar in Casablanca, you couldn't kick them out. Like you couldn't kick out the French, you couldn't. They were just a, a people. They were just like a nation. And so people they didn't have this like America didn't declare war on Nazi Germany. Like Nazi Germany declared war on the USA. And it was in 1938 that they arrested Rothschild and took his bank. And that's when they started becoming the, the enemy of World War II, right? If anyone, Japan was the enemy of World War II in terms of aggression and stuff, and Nazis were kind of linked into it. So get that, like, so, so the idea of them being, like, this super evil, everyone spit when they walked by and they hated them, and that's just not true until 1938. So they had good graces. They had the ability to, like, get information. People talked to them. People wanted to work with them. 
They didn't have a very negative social stigma. They were considered kind of heroic. Time Magazine's Man of the Year was Adolf Hitler in 1936. All right, so they were like, yeah, go Hitler. Like, that's what the world, like, literally Time Magazine was like, yeah, this guy's cool. You know, like, this guy's really shaping things up. You know, he's, he's fixing Germany up for the better. They were literally saying, that's not like a, an opinion to be like, wow, man, like, I can't believe I said that out loud. Look it up. They There's hilariously, like, Walt Disney, pro-Hitler, Walt Disney propaganda and stuff like that. And people are like, what? And you're like, yeah, just wake up and smell the coffee. It was a sudden about-face and when they tell people that, too, America didn't declare war on Nazi Germany. Pearl Harbor happened. We declared war on Japan. And then Hitler declared war on America for declaring war on Japan. That's the sequence of events. That no point did America go, we need to declare war on Hitler. No point. That was just, we got involved with it because of that. Um, and that was in 1942. So that was three years after the war already started. So it wasn't that 1938 either. But anyway, my point is, is the Arne and Arve up until 1938 with Himmler are going around the world. They're looking for the truth. They find out some resources for Atlantis, the Vril. You're reading the Vril book. They're, they're really open-minded, right? They're traveling to Tibet. They're going to the Himalayas. They find Vermanas. They find Vermana blueprints. They learn about UFO crashes that have already occurred in Europe, specifically in Nuremberg, where the Nuremberg wood cuttings are created. They figure out there are underground cities to be connect to be explored. They figure out that there are tunnels to exploit inside the Himalayas, inside Tibet. To talk to these people is actually, you know, like their tactic. And unlike other people before, like the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, or the Khazarian Mafia, they're not there to take or to cover up and destroy. They actually use this technology to create the Dark Fleet. All those airships, all those engineers, all those people who were literally born since the 1880s flying in the sky. Like, that's like, these people were literally generations by this time, 1930s. It's 50 years, 50 years of airship enthusiasts and travelers and people who have met their love of their life while flying and had, you know, the babies while flying in the air in these full-time cities. Think about it. Like, you live full-time in a Zeppelin. You travel around the world in the 1880s, like Jules Verne around the world in 80 days. You've seen, like, you're a German You've seen Beijing, you've seen Australia, you've seen Africa, you've flown across oceans. Who's going to tell you that you're wrong or that you're the evil one, or that, you know, that you have to submit? So you don't. You get this technology, you create, um, with not only that, the U-boat. The U-boat is the opposite side of that, the nautical, the marine, you know, secret society, of literally what it is, you travel without being seen. You travel in secrecy, right? Stealth. It's If you can understand the logic behind submarine culture, if an entire generation of submarine captains was created, you know, between World War One and World War Two, now they had tactics, they had standards, they had awards, they had heroes, they had legends, they had, you know, abilities, they had talents at piloting submarines, like literally your ship captain under the water, that's fucking crazy, right? That same German spirit, that same German ability, well, that's what makes the Dark Fleet pilots. That's what makes the crew for there. 
But working together, they create the colonies in New Schwabenland, which aren't necessarily needed. That's the thing. They're not necessarily needed. They're a fortress, yes. They're a huge fortress, a huge amount of territory. But I will say right now that the history of Dark Fleet is not based in Antarctica. It is based in South America. It is based in South America and the moon. And uh, basically using the Amazon, using Brazil as a massive place to hide, as well as Argentina and the Patagonian Mountains, the Germans were able to recreate the entire territory of Germany, basically. Completely under their control. Yes, local authorities will always have it by name, but it was run by Germans. It was run by blue-eyed, blonde-haired, people born in Prussian countries who spoke fluent German and kept that stuff alive. That's why you have things like the Eichmann affair, where the, the Mossad goes and kidnaps uh, you know, Nazi war criminals in South America and stuff like that. That was real. Boys of Brazil. They didn't need to go to Antarctica. New Schwabenland existed as a base for the, uh, the uh, German Navy, for the U-boat Navy, as a place for manufacturing, yes. But they had UFO factories. They had literal flying saucer factories in South America, in the jungles. They had literal training bases in the jungles. They had literal German cities built from the ground up, recreated to look like Bavarian villages in the mountains of Argentina. If you went to some of these in Argentina, you would think you're in Dusseldorf. You would think there's just, every single detail is German. Signs are in German, serving bratwurst and beer. And it's, it's 100%, and you're thinking, where am I? And they're like, oh, you're in uh, San, San Andrea de la Fuentine, Argentina. What the hell does the name mean? This is what it is, and this is what's a territory? What's a map? That's the thing. People need to open their eyes and see that the entire countries of Argentina, Chile, Brazil, Colombia, Bolivia, Ecuador, Venezuela, Panama, <laughs> I mean, Uruguay, Paraguay, uh, they're German to the core. To the core. And I mean that in an extent. Like, the, these German people... When realizing that Germany, a territory, is unholdable, you have the Soviet Union on one side, you have the West on the other, I'm going to grab my family, everything we own, I'm going to liquidate it, put it in gold, come to Argentina, buy a town. I own the cops, I own the criminals, I own... I can see you coming from the ports, from the mile away, and that's what happened. They sat their fat German asses down and just lived the rest of their lives in South America. And yes, there was Admiral Byrd and the fights in South America for New Schwabenland and stuff like that. Yeah, that happened. But that's not where the Dark Fleet originated from, nor is it really the end of the story. The, the real, like I said, these are secret societies at this point using nations to try to battle each other. Admiral Byrd's expedition in the 50s uh, was not a U.S. Navy-sanctioned operation. The Rockefellers paid for those ships to be made, so they owned them. They used them as a private navy to attack the Germans as a show of force, 
because they wanted to declare that they had known and discovered where they were operating. But the Rockefellers, since 1902, had been sending vegetables by the shipload, seeds, and infrastructure uh, to grow farms and build like ranches and stuff, livestock, since 1902. They had been sending them by ships, freighters full of them, down to Antarctica. This is nothing new. The, the race for coloniza- colonization of Antarctica has been shared by Americans, by the British, by the Norwegians, by the Dutch, by the uh, Japanese, by the South Americans, uh, you name it, Russians. Um, you know, basically anyone at a certain level of advancement has been colonizing and colonizing very consistently Antarctica since the uh, 1900s. Now... The question of Antarctica and New Schwabenland and stuff like that, to me, is kind of a a trick question. Because, yes, this is all happening, and yes, it is under the ice, and yes, there are, like, anomalies with the ice, that it's warmer underneath the ice, and that it's like you can build a subterranean ice fortress and a cavern that's not cold. Really, you don't have to. The truth of Antarctica is that Antarctica is like Canada, or North America in that sense. And it, it has an extremely cold border. It has an extremely cold border. But inland, and a little bit south, it becomes much more green and verdant and temperate and, you know, rational to survive in and explore and colonize. Imagine, like, you, uh, you know about Canada, right? Geography, right? Like, this, like, you know, like, just as a mental picture of geography, Canada's super fucking cold up north where the North Pole is, right? Like, it's ice. Like, you can't even, there's not one tree, it's just polar bears. And, like, if you were to come down south into Canada from the top, you would think it's a barren tundra of ice and snow that stretches as far as the eye can see. You wouldn't believe that if you were able to go, like, 2,000 miles from the very top of Canada down you would be like in a lush forest with like plenty of deer and rivers and lakes and like filled plenty of land to colonize more land than you could possibly. And if you went down even further, 2000 miles further down, you hit Mexico and that's a whole like tropical. Now you're in the Gulf of Mexico. Now you're in the tropical Alcapulcos. You're in Baja. And if you go down 2,000 miles even further, you're in South America where the Amazon is. Now you're at the equator. Now you're in... But think about it. You hit. You first hit this continent, the North and South American continent. You first hit this landmass from an area that has literally miles of ice in any direction and is literally the coldest environment possibly on Earth. So that's the that's what I'm saying Antarctica's like. Antarctica as it's projected on a map is meant to fool people. But yes, there is a northern extremely cold side, a coast of Antarctica that has miles of ice, a great ice wall, etc. But if you just went into the interior slash to the to the opposite entrances of Antarctica, it's as lush and as green and as verdant as Ireland or North America, like the Pacific Northwest. And in fact, it's, it's warm. It, it's not, it's not, it's not even that much ice to be honest. It's not like, 
It's just like Siberia. It's just like something like that, where it's it appears to be completely frozen until it's not. And then it's just an endless sea of trees and an endless sea of, like, wetlands. And there's just uncountable amount of life up there. And it's just, like, super rich and fertile. But it's it doesn't have really any um, population to speak of. There are some natives, but, you know, colonists be colonizing. And so they've already set up cities. They've already set up trade posts. They already set up... Uh, farms and ranching, you know, spaces amongst the nations, Germany was just one of them to do it. And yes, Germany was one of them to do it. They were hostile. They didn't want to be reintegrated or assimilated or submit at any point. Um, The Rockefellers were ordered to go and attack them by the Rothschilds, who had previously lost a large amount of naval vessels and men. Um, they don't want to tell, they don't want to tell that side of it, but before the U S went down there with Admiral Byrd, the British went down there and the British got their asses kicked. Lots of ships were sunk with, by the, by the Germans. Um, they decided to let the Americans go. The Americans had the experience after fighting the Japanese. They went down, they got their asses kicked, had to retreat. The Harnabo that was used, um, later that same decade, flew in formation over Washington, D.C., right? Uh, This was, at the time, the most advanced fighting aircraft ever created by mankind. The Harnabo, the Andromeda Garot, um, the various different types of Harnabos, which are basically the flying saucers with the, the cannon underneath, the classic iron cross on the side, uh, the the bell, the, the Glocker bell, this was all extremely powerful technology that not only allowed them to basically, at that point, dominate the Earth's militaries, dominate all of the Earth's militaries from the Soviet Union to the Washington, D.C., Americans, all NATO powers, etc., within the 50s, by the 1950s, by the time the 1950s ended, They had already flown over every single major capital in the world. They had disarmed intercontinental ballistic missiles. They had embarrassed all of the air forces in the world who couldn't catch a single one of their craft in any any scenario. They shot down many um, aircraft uh, for sport if they were caught, you know, flying over international territories. There were reports in the 1950s, for example, of pilots seeing... UFOs being piloted by men who gave them the finger. This is like that stuff in the 50s. Like, this is clearly the dark fleet, you know, where it's like you see someone flying by and he's in a UFO and he does that and zooms off. That's someone who knows that they're that this is a game and they're winning. And so that's what the dark fleet in the 50s was all like, you know, that explains the entire UFOs over Washington, D.C. and, you know, invasion of the saucer men. And they were men, though. They understood that these were men. Twilight Zone, all the popular cultures showed men, dark-haired Germans, big, tall German-type guys coming out of the spaceship with a space suit and stuff and being like, you know, take me to your leader because they realized that that was basically what was going on. In the, the 1950s, they started building the moon base. 
the moon base at that point the dark fleet had already conquered them they they had the gun to their head they may not have liked it they still don't but they can't actually stop the dark fleet the kazarian mafia the rockefellers the rothschilds the world's militaries from the monarchies the vatican the world's mafias the chinese the russians the americans solar warden all of them combined couldn't stop the dark fleet today that is the sad truth of where they're at and the awesome truth of where the dark fleet is and because the dark fleet had not only the the initiative at creating these secret space programs but also use them in a response to war uh, to militarize it instead of an exploration or an explorative scientific space fleet instead of an industrialized space fleet its main purpose is to destroy enemies and secure space and it created that fleet from the needs of the 40s uh, into the 50s, where it won, basically, like I said, all these different societies, it won. It won in the 50s. The war was over, but the Nazis won. And at that point, they have been calling the shots. And this is where people like to get kind of weird about it, because they're not Nazis in the sense that they were these drooling idiots, you know, who followed the Fuhrer... Like, and then they show the movies, and it's just like, you know, oh, yeah, so we like doing this, and yeah, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, goose-stepping and stuff. We all like the jokes. You know, I say, like, we always show Hitler, space Hitler and stuff, Hitler's brain on a great white shark. You know, that's that's Nazi mad science, right? Um, but, like, no, the reality is these were the Prussians. These were men of Aryan descent from generations, centuries of Teutonic knighthood, of royalty, of the Habsburgs, of Huguenot, you know, descendants and stuff like that. These were very elite individuals. They have created their empire in the shadows in South America or in the Middle East or in Asia but or in Europe, really. They don't, even, they don't hide anymore. That's why I want to say up until the 60s, they were hiding. But in the 60s, they didn't hide anymore. At that point, former Nazis are in major positions of power in the United States. They're in major positions of power in the UN. They're in major positions of power across the world. And this is a fact. You can look it up. It's just, it's convergent fact, but it's a fact. They're not hiding anymore because they don't need to. Werner von Braun, Werner von Braun, lead of NASA is openly talking about building rockets and moon bases and space stations with Walt Disney. Oh, look at Walt Disney made this little model. We're going to have a little man living in space. Hello, little man. Hello. Yes, uh, you know, uh, Epcot since, uh, yeah, and he's, he was a German. He was a Nazi. Everyone knows that. No one could stop them. No one could stop them from rubbing it in people's faces that Werner von Braun got to sit in an office and have American taxpayers pay his salary as he ate bratwurst and sauerkraut, you know, and just laughed it up because he knew that Germans were already in the space program. He knew that people were already, you know, smarter than he already doing this stuff. And he wasn't going to make America do it. America was being brought along with the Germans, but he was the mascot for this in the 60s. And you can look, everything about it is just like how a mascot celebrates a, a sports game 
It's over the top. It's just trying to make kids feel good. You know, sell the tickets, keep the game going to the, the moon landing of 1969, and keep the idea that America is in charge, but America is working with a Nazi, Werner von Braun. Uh, you know, not even not saying because he is openly like that. They're working with him. He's the leader of the American space program. Get it? We're eating out of his hand. He's delivering. He's giving us the truth, the knowledge. All we can do is, you know, pay him. Basically, all we can do is give him our money, and and let the the astronauts go do the 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 lie, the LARP. Go do the LARP, you know, and go do the the one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind thing. But by that time they say it in 1969, there is already a million men living on the moon. There's already an established infrastructure, massive space base, international collaborative effort between Americans, the British, the Russians, the Germans, the Japanese, the Italians, the French are there. Uh, mostly Russians. It's mostly Russians who actually provide the real workers, the engineers who go dedicate their lives, etc. But the Germans are overseeing all of this as the Dark Fleet, actually protecting them, actually providing security. It's at some point in the 1970s when the Dark Fleet begins to unearth reptilian technologies. They are already in the Vril. They're already into the Giza intelligence. They're already into the Council of Nine. They already are dealing with recovering extraterrestrial evidence and ancient cities that they've recovered on the moon, ships of extraterrestrial origin that they've recovered that are crashed, uh, reverse engineering all this. This is not something that's like, oh, we finally get to encounter an extraterrestrial. We've known they existed. We've been met by them before. They're finally able to basically crack a way of creating, of fabricating the technologies and the materials that the Orion Draco Empire perfected. And at that point, they go fucking rogue. And for all its sense of purposes, at that point, they are no longer human. They are now a hybrid of reptilian and human in terms of Everything from their philosophy to their technology to their biology. And at that point, they start going independent in terms of they're pursuing their own ends. They're relocating their resources, including mostly their men and their ships and their bases, further into like reptilian or away from Earth in sense of like and further into other territory, other control. They basically reorient their civilization to Jupiter in terms of where their basic like sizes, in terms of like, you know, most of their ships, most of their men, most of their efforts, most of their attentions is Jupiter. Uh, there is a huge war that happens um, in hey, Saturn. Mr. Top Secret, you're bre- you're breaking up pretty bad. You're breaking up pretty bad on me, just so you know. Happens. Let's see if I can get this a little bit closer to where the Wi-Fi router is. But if there's electronic interference... Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Let's see. Okay, let's see if I get a thumbs up. We get a thumbs up. Can you hear me? Thumbs up if you can hear me. Am I coming in? 
Testing, testing, Top one, two. Can you hear me? Testing, testing, one, two. Testing. Testing, testing, one, two. Let's see. I think if we reset, maybe. Let's see if we reset. Can you I hear can me? I can hear you now, yeah. Can you hear me? Your video is frozen. Okay, is, oh, thumbs up if you can hear me. I can hear you now. Okay, thumbs up if you can hear me. Okay. Yeah, it broke up. It, it broke up on my end too. I've been trying to trying to but get. But it, it is it is pretty choppy. It's pretty choppy, and we're approaching an hour, so I think we might want to wind this one down. I mean, you've dropped a lot of truth bombs. Um, it's been pretty incredible information. Yeah, thank you so much for delivering all that. Oh no problem. Yeah, and like I guess uh, to bring it up to speed to the now, because the nineteen eighties and nineteen seventies they start becoming able to fabricate. Uh, reptilian technology and their ships are no longer the flying saucer or the cylinder cigar shape that everyone knows as the you know classic German UFOs. They are now asymmetrical, um, mostly alien in appearance, ma are massive flying cities that are capable of self-sustaining millions of, of colonists and, and you know, uh, members of the Dark Fleet in these ships themselves that are the size of cities. Um, this is basically when Solar Warden starts. Solar Warden is created in the 80s, or designed in the 70s, finished in the 80s, to replace Dark Fleet, because Dark Fleet is no longer literally near Earth. It is no longer dealing with Earth matters in terms of... It goes for years without them actually being seen. Um, because they're dealing with... Like, you know, at the far reaches of space. They're dealing at the edges of territory, at the frontier. Of both human potential and developing genetics, cloning, um, creating super soldiers technologies of colonizing other worlds and able to terraform planets, um, you know, just advances in those directions. Solar Warden is created to replace them, and it, as it does, it basically serves that function. It's created by the Rockefellers, Rothschilds, uh, Kazarian Mafia, etc. They all have their place, but now there's that power gap, there's that, that vacuum but Dark Fleet never goes away. It always exists. It's always here. It's always dominant. But at this point, it seems to be independent, a true breakaway civilization. A element of humanity that no longer has any loyalty or identification with the rest of humanity on Earth. That's what brings us up to the 2000s, 2020s. Is, remember, they were talking about since this starts in the 19... or the 1800s, but if it starts in the 1930s, we're talking 90 years. Within 100 years, you go from the first space programs ever created by man to escape the persecutions on Earth to a civilization of hybrid humans that have no loyalty to mankind, no loyalty to Earth at all, and who are born on other worlds, born on other moons, born uh, on these ships, whose loyalty is only to the 
breakaway civilization that we know as the Dark Fleet. It has a proper name, it has a proper identification, a culture all its own. But if you were to witness it as a purely human being, it would look more alien than human. At this point, it's more like... As a comparison, uh, it's as alien as, as anything you'd see in Dune. Like the Harkonnen or, or anything. That's a good example nowadays. I just watched, recently watched the Dune movies. The Harkonnens, in terms of like the Atreides, are more human. They have more human rationality, more human motivations, more human connections. And then you see the Harkonnen, who are human, but because of their military and you know technology and, and their motivations, they don't appear human. They appear inhuman. They appear... You know, something something dark. And that is, I think, why we still call them the Dark Fleet. Is because there's something that's just... Regardless if there's anyone good in this system, regardless if there's any good guys, which they're not, uh, there's that that idea of right and wrong, good and evil, is just not appropriate here. It's It's the real world. It's different types of power, different... Factions, different great houses. Once again, the the elements of empire is like Game of Thrones. They all have swords to each other's throats, but only some are more powerful to chop everybody's heads off at once. And they know that, so they everyone's kind of kept. So, from what you're saying, it, it sounds like you're saying that the Dark Fleet would be kind of even over the Kazarian Mafia at this point, but like they're ultimately dictating. Earth, but it does seem like there's sort of two agendas in the political arena. I mean, maybe it's all an illusion, but there does appear to be like the Democrat, more like European Union agenda of like creating this new world order of smart cities and enslavement. And then this nationalist movement that's sweeping a lot of different countries with Trump and creating the space force that seems like a movement leading to more prosperity, more like what Hitler did for Germany before the war. Um, what do you think about Space Force? And I know they're in Greenland too. Do you think Space Force is still under Dark Fleet or, or are we trying to create a new uh, force to contend with Dark Fleet? The Space Force was disclosure for Solar Warden. And in fact, uh, Solar Warden is Space Force now under the name Space Force because it's been legitimized. But yeah, it's still under Dark Fleet. Dark Fleet recently returned to the Thule Air, uh, Space Force base, the Thule Air Force base. In Greenland, um, Trump tried to buy Greenland specifically for this reason. If you remember that, the way back machines, memory hold now, but Trump tried to buy Greenland. Greenland had an atomic level explosion in comets, and this was the reentry of Dark Fleet. They have their bases there, Antarctica, which a lot of people go down to Antarctica to see the Dark Fleet bases down there, the representatives. But these bases aren't like uh, military bases, they're like embassies. They're like embassies that can relate and translate the data between the two, the many different colonies. Because the world is no longer all about the Earth. It's kind of off-world now, that the center of you know, importance. But the Dark Fleet controls the ICC, which is the interstellar corporate conglomerate. That's all your industry, mining, uh, you know, money-making in space. Anything, human trafficking, cloning, all of that. That's the Kazarian Mafia. Uh, with the Rothschilds, they control 
uh, the United Earth Alliance, that's the government, that's basically the one world church, the one world, you know, Luciferian church that has its capital in Kazakhstan and Astana, that the space pope, the, the, you know, the earth pope, basically the one, that's the Vatican, that's the Jesuits, that's the UN, the United Nations, etc., that's they control that too because they're the they're the security they're the they can literally blow up the world if they if they so chose but they don't because they understand they're human still at this point they still are you know they have enough connection but no like they're losing that connection but this is why they have to have this kind of checks and balance system but they control that they they allowed that to exist they're the ones who uh created the first charters and oversaw all of that uh speaking about the business side Every single corporation in Europe and in America and in the Western world, they have one member of Dark Fleet on their chair, on their board of uh, chairmen of their executive CEOs and over overseers and rulers. And BlackRock and um, BlackRock and um, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Pleiadi, uh, Paladin, BlackRock and Paladin, the two major investment firms in the world that control like 98% of all businesses they're owned by dark fleet that's 100% a dark fleet creation and and uh under the bat everything that we think is different is all under one monolithic banner it's all under one world order already there's no such thing as these vying powers china's not an enemy russia's not an enemy uh they're all working as different parts of this theater yeah but ultimately, when it comes down to it, the groups, the factions that rule the secret space programs or that manifest the secret space programs are the ICC, United Earth Government, Solar Warden, which is the replacement for Dark Fleet, but they're not as powerful, but they are more concentrated on the Earth, more specifically to defend the Earth, not go fuck around and do other things on Mars and in you know Jupiter or on Saturn and stuff. They specifically have to stay on the Earth. Um, and at that point, they're more dominant and stronger than Dark Fleet, but that's because Dark Fleet is not on the Earth really any longer. Uh, but then there's also the, the, there's drama, there's a lot of hostility, there's a lot of conflict that happens on Earth, regardless of this is real, or this being real or not. It's the small stuff, the skirmishes, the wars, the civil wars, the the battles that happen, the murders, the assassinations, the power plays, the espionage, the intrigue, etc., all of that stuff, the conspiracy, like, I mean, between nations, between the little children, if you were. And at that point, it's all policed from the very top and allowed to happen, but only limited in what, what actually happens. Am I saying that the Russians didn't invade the Ukrainians? No. Russia got to invade the Ukrainians, Yes. Did the Dark Fleet watch every single step of this happen? Yes. Did they allow it to happen? Yes. Is it because they were permissive in it, allowing the escalation of this conflict, but only so so much? Yes. And that explains why there's UFOs that are seen over the Ukraine. That explains why there's UFOs seen you know, around the ISS during this time. They're all aware of it, but it's only because they allow it at some point, like... It doesn't, if it's not affecting the balance of the biggest picture, the highest altitude picture, it's all part of the picture. And so they'll allow the world to keep going on the way it's going. The technocracy, the transhumanism, the 15 minute cities, 
the medical uh, processes right now, Western medicine, the vaccine, the 5G, you know, mark of the beast implant and the wrist and all that, that's Dark Fleet too. Absolutely, that's everything. All of that is a secret space program. Every single secret space program is that, is a transhumanist cyberpunk dystopia, is absolutely a slave empire run by clones, is absolutely downloading a person's personality into an AI programming so that you can have that person technically forever as a slave because they're not human and you can keep them inside a computer. And you can just ask them, hey, I'm talking to you now because I've locked literally a, a copy of your soul into a computer. And I can, I can drop you back off. You're fine. But is that any less of a violation? Is that any less of a transhumanist nightmare where there could be potentially individual consciousnesses that are clones of existing consciousnesses that are forever trapped aboard spaceships having to do, uh, you know, robotic work, etc. for the rest of their lives in android bodies? Like, yeah, that's a thing that, that happens, and that's all part of the secret space program level shit. So, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, it's at one point, it's easy to understand in small-scale terms. Like in Dune. What is Dune talking about? It's talking about these different powers, extraterrestrial planets, colonization, mining, the empire, the checks and balances of like politics and there's like witchcraft and, and you know, assassinations and war. But ultimately, it's all human. It's all humans against other humans. It's different tribes. It's different cultures. But it's all kept by a higher power. And they even reference that. Like, if you want, you have, you have to talk to the emperor. You have to talk to these greater authorities, these greater houses. And then you do your little bullshit underneath. And that comes down to people with swords and stuff like guns. Like, how, like that's, not, that's not the pinnacle of technology or progress. But yeah, at some point, they're letting the little stuff happen. The little violence, the little fights, the little wars, the little battles over resources... Because that all keeps the big picture going. And the big picture is extraterrestrial exploration, long-distance traveling with ships and colonists, um, immortality, uh, time travel. There's a, like, like the space emperor has an elite you know, fighting force. Like, you know, the, the, this idea of what it's represented as and it ultimately is represented as real human beings. Real human beings from real houses with real ambitions, with real passions, loves, you know, desires, etc. Being used as puppets and playthings and pawns and giant conspiratorial games of power. And that ultimately is always going to be controlled, at least as far as I can tell and see from my own experience, by the Dark Fleet. The Dark Fleet has that advantage of being the first, and it is still the first in many, many categories. Well, um, I wish, you know, we had nicer controllers of this world, but it does seem like Dark Fleet has a lot of power, yep. and when you get that advanced, it's hard to, for people literally under that level of super advanced technology um, to ever contend with them, but... A good way of thinking I mean, about it is uh, uh okay so you've seen the watchmen right 
the, the Who Watches the Watchmen. And if you have an advanced power like Dr. Manhattan, does he have any connection to the dramatic lives of people who are not as powerful as him? That's like the whole point, right? Does he have any responsibility? Does he have any connection? Does he have any love for for people he no longer is a is is one of and the entire idea is ultimately not really and thus like when we say like we wish we had nicer rulers and it's like you know there you just watch dr manhattan and watchmen and watch his speeches or read that book a uh, graphic novel and it's just like you know yeah he wants to save the world but what's the world to a man who's a god like, that's the thing, Darkfleet, like, if they came and they realized the Earth is going to be destroyed, well, they have hundreds of worlds that are all like Earth. Yeah, they, well, maybe maybe they'll just get so advanced that they just decide to leave us alone. That's basically, exactly, at this point, they're becoming so advanced that just how it, it becomes uh, a terror, a terror, like, their presence well, is it may a terror. Have some t- it may have some to do with the Kali Yuga cycle and potentially a solar flash um, but we'll have to see. Yeah, I do feel like there is a change happening in the world. Um, maybe Dark Fleet will have a change of heart itself. I don't know. <laughs> well, see, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, it's not only human. Um, humans themselves serve the Astro High Command, and the Astro High Command is a multi-species. Galactic Federation of Light is what they're also called, and and this is like bordering on that Star Trek reality. Well, yeah, maybe they'll have an intervention and yeah. uh, displace like the Orion fleets. That that's already happened. That's what I'm saying. It becomes like a Star Trek type thing where it's like, you know, at some point we're we're gonna be made aware of the the big picture the true puzzle of it. And then it's going to be our responsibility to improve ourselves as people individually, because ultimately what if they made a war where no one showed up? What if we decided to do things ourselves? We didn't need a president. We, we could buy, we could choose our, our own life path. We could make our own way in life. We didn't need money. We didn't need bosses. We didn't need an employer. We didn't need, someone telling us, you know, what's right and what's wrong. We didn't need churches. We didn't need that stuff. Because then you would see Dark Fleet's real power evaporate, which is ultimately us always demanding someone to be our leader, to protect us from the environment, from the universe and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where they get their power from is because everyone is afraid. Even these secret societies, even these secret space programs, they're afraid. They're, they're afraid of the universe. They're afraid of the unknown. And the Dark Fleet's power is that it was the one they were always afraid of because they were the one with the most unknowns. They were the ones who were the most mysterious, the most unexplained. And, you know, uh, if knowledge is power, then the mysterious is, is, is you know, God at that point. The un, unexplainable is God and stuff. So, yeah, like... Well, I think that's a good place to end it since um, we got a little bit of a morsel of positivity out of that. We like to leave the audience with a little bit of hope, not hope porn, but, you know, a little bit of hope so people don't just, like, off themselves yeah. with, like, the Dark Fleet having supreme power. Yeah, it's all about just thinking for yourself. I mean, just, I, I still, you know, I wish the Great Awakening was further at this point, but um, the more people that awaken and start thinking for themselves, the better. Um, but we still have so many millions that are under the, the hypnotism of the Vatican, under the hypnotism of 
duality politics and just the more people that become aware of this information the dark fleet exists that you know we should be having anti-gravitic technology available to the public um and not these ridiculous spacex rockets that half of them blow up like yeah on the launch pad um the more people become aware of this and demand it and you know question the authorities um the closer we'll be to living in a world that is you know better for everyone i mean whether you call it dark fleet in charge or someone better it's like the bottom line is we want prosperous society you know we want uh, an economy where people aren't struggling to survive and essentially what what hitler did for germany you know when people you know were able to afford houses and cars and were encouraged to go on vacations in norway on cruises and stuff and it's like that's the society we want and i think that maybe hitler's original vision just turned into this like super militaristic survival-based um military machine that became interstellar even uh so maybe the original vision was kind of lost just because of the need for defense and for military and just uh was just corrupted by you know drill and magic and technology and lost lost the humanity in that but uh we want to keep the humanity and so yeah i don't want this to turn completely political but you know i i do think that the the trump path it looks like a better direction you know it's just we got to take what the direction that looks better on the surface at least it's definitely gonna be better than the direction that looks worse on the surface such as uh what's offered by biden and, and that whole democrat platform so i will say this about the um, trump uh candidate presidency that there was a case that happened and i think it's one of the most important things that has ever happened in the world of this breakaway civilization disclosure uh trump uh, was oh so the Israeli Space Force leader, uh, retired general, said that there was a Galactic Federation of Light. There were secret space programs. Trump knew about it, and Trump wanted to tell the truth. He wanted to make disclosure reality. And this was around 2017, 2018, when this information came out. And I believe that is 100% the truth. It's why Trump didn't win the the, the election. They did the Biden thing. There's also some like you know. Uh, clearly he had to show everyone how wickedly corrupt and, and inept and incompetent the opposition was for him to actually be believed, you know, in situations like that. But this idea of, uh, him wanting disclosure is why they created Space Force. It's why they created all this, you know, the sixth branch of the Pentagon and stuff like that, breaking the power of the sacred geometry of five and into a hexagram now type thing, a six-sided figure, new world order, new world dimensions, you know, breaking into a new paradigm. I believe that's 100% the steps why he did that, why he created the Space Force, is because he couldn't outright say there's a galactic federation of light. Because because he was stopped. He was stopped by the Dark Fleet. He was stopped by these extra... Who, I think, if you say, if you didn't know and you saw them, you would think they're extraterrestrials. I only know that the Dark Fleet, through my, my intelligence, my experience of it, but, like, it, they are Pleiadian. They're Nordic. That The idea of Nordics, they always say that, like, in this disclosure world. Nordics, this, you know, the idea of these blonde-haired, giant, tall people. But they're, but they're people. That's the Germans. That's the breakaway civilization. So it's like one of those things. Like, yeah, a Trump, uh, Baron Trump is already like at seven feet tall and stuff like that. You could say that this DNA, that kind of, that, it, the German DNA, good stuff. You know, good stuff. And so, like I said, like there's this disclosure element too. There, there's this kind of tongue in cheek, but there's definitely more good 
with with Trump in this direction in guards of disclosure and guards of transparency and truth and revelation than there is negative. Uh, and I think that in the next term, when Trump wins, we're going to get disclosure. We're going to get at least secret space program disclosure. And I think we already have it. That'd be great. Yeah, like, we're never going to get the official, you know, the official, like, you know, Smithsonian Institute book, you know, documentary and everything, you know. Uh, they're not going to teach it in high schools. But, yeah, you can already see that the truth is undeniable. They're already talking about, you know, like Robert Sepper. Robert Sepper recently released a video, Antarctica, and disclosure. Yeah, I was actually just going to do a screen share of that. I was going to tell the audience that this would be a really great uh, follow-up to this video, this Antarctica disclosure by Robert Sepper. He had on a lot of similar topics and more. Exactly. If Robert Sepper and levels of people like that who are in their 40s and 50s, who are academics, who have educated uh, educations in university levels, he uses James Rice's disclosure talks from a decade ago about the secret space program. And that man is an eyewitness, a 20-year-in-back survivor who served on Mars through his own eyewitness testimony and stuff like that. If Robert Sepper is using that man's lectures... If he is talking about this, and he's been talking about this for like a year, two years already. I think 2021 is when he talked about the breakaway civilization, the the Dark Fleet. He talked about that in one of his videos. Um, this is like I said, it it's not even like it's it's not even like it's a crazy thing to think. It's if you do the research, you realize everything is already admitted to in pieces. You just got to put them together. You got to connect the dots. But yeah, you're like. Yes, Germans were tourists in America. They liked going to the Southwest. They liked airships. They liked hot air balloons. This was a thing they did. They flew. They were aeronauts. They were pilots. Look at the Red Baron. Stuff like They want you to think this is all kind of like unconnected. Like the greatest dogfighter and flying ace in World War One was a German, was a Prussian. They were extremely good pilots. They were extremely good aeronauts. Like, you know, like they... The Zeppelins, the Hindenburg, they want you to think that this was all a failure and it was all like a, like a rare... They had inter- like international airship travel that was, you know, like a tourist thing by the 30s. Like I mean, they we, were... should still have air... we should still have airship travel, never mind anti-gravitic travel. I mean, that's oh, yeah. like the basic technology. Like, why does no one use it anymore? Oh, yeah, and, and I can... Oh, well, can... yeah, we've hit on a lot. And, yeah, this video is approaching uh, the time that I won't be able to edit it if it gets any longer. So we've got to wrap this up. But uh, no we could totally do a follow-up. You're, you're totally a, a wealth of information. And so I'd love to do a follow-up sometime and get even more information out of you as we see maybe Trump come back and more disclosures happening. No problem, yeah. But thank you so much for coming on. And um, good luck with everything you're doing. Sorry you've been censored. I've been censored on a lot of the same platforms, so I do know the pain. Um, I hope you will create a Rumble channel because – as nice as it was that Odyssey was able to transfer the YouTube library, for some reason nobody watches Odyssey. So I right. highly recommend uh, no, Rumble. Yeah. And for the audience, Dune 2 is coming out March 1st. And so you can see um, that's definitely a disclosure movie, a disclosure of intergalactic politics. And you know, I saw a lot of that even in the first one. But definitely check out Dune, Dune Part 2 when it comes out. And so I guess that's about it for this one. Um, make sure you like and subscribe on the video. And uh, check out deepstatebiomproject.com where you can copy yourself some of these posters. We have the Infinite Life Vortex listed as a pre-sale. I just saw the actual first prints of it today. 
And yeah, keep doing that research. Watch, watch that Robert Seffer video on Antarctica. And we're still going to keep trying to figure out why Juan Osavin went there. But there's definitely some interesting things happening in the world. It seems like things are getting shaken up at the very least. And so we're going to see some major changes, hopefully, in the future. And some of these dark fleet technologies revealed to the public. And so that'll be this, it for this one. And we'll see you next time. New Templars. The recording has stopped. All right. Thanks a lot, bro. Awesome. No problem. Always excited to talk you about really the dark fleet. really went all in. Well, I mean, this, I was trying to summarize everything and like, yeah, like it's, it's one of the points that I want to make is that my history of the dark fleet is not Antarctica. Like everyone else always talks about, you can, everyone always says Antarctica and New Schwabenland and stuff. But my perspective, it's all South America. They went to Brazil, they went to Argentina and it's infinitely easier to, to create the, you know, the night waff in the dark fleet, uh, from Brazil than Antarctica, and so, like, yeah, luckily, uh, yeah, you know, makes I mean, a lot of sense. well, I'm just glad to say, to share my opinion, and, and it's crazy, like, like, in North, in North America, we just hardly hear anything about South America, you know what I mean, yeah. it's almost, like, more foreign to us than, like, Asia and Africa, it's just, like, we never hear any news about South America, yeah. like, that's probably why, you know, yeah, I mean, most of those countries were colonized by Spain and Portugal, but it's clearly, like, there's a German element there. Well, then we also forget that, like, Francisco Franco was a ally to Hitler and was a fascist government for 70 years. He was a fascist until 1970s. And, I mean, we for, we don't... Who was he the president of? Spain. So Spain, Francisco Franco, the Civil War. See, oh, like, okay. See, like, we think, like, well, Latin America's Spanish. And why would a Spanish person like the Germans? And you're like, well, Germany and Spain were allies. And then you're like, oh, like, duh. You know, type thing. You're like, you know, like, oh, but they're Catholics. And then you're like, mm -hmm. well, the Catholics and the Germans work together. They just went, they dressed them up like priests and just brought them over in the in the missions. And they were just all like, you know, that's what I'm saying. It all works out. It all adds up. You're like, you know, like, how could the Germans live in South America? Oh, oh, you mean they did? That was actually like a like Mingala and, and Mingala went to Brazil and he lived there. Like, that's on record. Like, it's not even a conspiracy. It's just what happens. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, like, but they gave up. They didn't. They didn't pursue anything. They didn't do anything more. There was no, like, it, it's just it's very it's a lot of naivety. It's a lot of naivety and a lot of uh, uh, just poor education on part of the Western man. Like we're we're taught in Rockefeller schools one version of history that's just like not even a tenth of everything that happened. And, and oh, yeah. yeah, so we're groping <laughs> we around blind. Started. Yeah, we're groping around blind. We're we're absolutely like, you know, we're stumbling around by sense of smell, you know, trying to figure out what human history is or where we belong and where we're going and stuff. Like, it's literally the blind leading the blind, with uh, politics and stuff. And that's what I'm saying. Like in the in the modern world in politics, blind leading the blind, blind leading the blind. Absolutely, like you have politicians who don't know anything about the about what's going on. And they're saying that UFOs aren't real and stuff, and people are believing them, and then these people are in charge of like government programs and stuff like that. So yeah, no wonder we're not getting any answers and we're not making. Well, any at progress. least the news today is that Mitch McConnell said he's uh, stepping down as leader of the Republicans. So yeah, but he's still going to stay in the Senate till twenty twenty seven. Well, if stuff, he doesn't have a seizure before then. Stuff like that, like the idea that uh, we live in a society, we live in a republic, or we live in a democracy, I think is becoming increasingly uh see-through and it's it's being called out on the bullshit it is because these people are like 80 
90 years old. They have been in politics for 50 years sometimes. Like, we got Bernie Sanders, you got Mitch McConnell. And Mitch, got, I read this, Mitch has like a 6% approval rating. Oh, Six yeah. out it, of 100. Exactly. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, so how do these people get here and why don't they ever leave? Like, you can't tell me that Nancy Pelosi was a good person ever and that she was like the California's like best they had to offer. And that's not true. Like, like at some point, people are seeing that this is all a con and that the people in power are corrupt and like, you know, Pizzagate style or just like in the, for the money and stuff like that. Like, yeah, and, and just today I got a text from Gavin Newsom complaining about his recall asking for money. I'm like, why am I getting this text? Like, yeah. I don't even fucking live in California. I'm in Ohio. No, absolutely. Are, are Did you... he text everyone in the whole country? Like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, You look at people like Gavin Newsom, for example. Gavin Newsom's uh, meeting with, like, the dictator from China, Xi Jinping. Like, how can a governor meet with the CCP leader? Like, that's just okay. Like, you know, like, this is... And it's not something where it's, like, a neutral thing. It's, like, no, like, that's politically kind of, like, you didn't read the room. Like, America and China are not seeing, like, and, like, you you see that there's this, they are, they are doing their own thing. And it's not connected to the people at all. They don't understand the people. They're not seeing from the people's perspective. And they have no connection. Like, they don't have to pay for their own groceries and shit like that, like we do. They don't have to worry about, like, getting caught you know, in a failing economy. Like, they don't understand the the actual reality of just trying to survive. And so the 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 fact is, at one point, it's, it's called accelerationism, where things are getting worse for more people and things are becoming insufferable as they become more corrupt and transparently idiotic, like in their decision-making and in their rationale. And as people become more, like, more pissed, basically, then at some point there's going to be a, a tipping point, And it's just going to be, you know, a full recall of every single politician, a full rework of the United States political, like, system. Or it's going to be something like that, like something major, where it's not going to... That's gonna... what I can't wait for. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just going to be something major, where they're going to be like, we're literally going to rewrite the Constitution. We're literally going to have to, like, rewrite, like, from the ground up to make sure this shit doesn't happen again. And that's what happened originally with the Constitution, where it's like, we're going to have to get together and put something on paper and just agree, <laughs> and agree to, like, disagree, but at the same point, agree to make some fucking changes. Because, like, this, this mm-hmm. cannot go on the way it is any longer it's 100 percent a joke like it's, it's a yeah, no one i'm here for it yeah no one i'm ready for it no one takes america seriously no one takes america's leaders seriously like there's not one person in american politics that's like not an absolute clown like you know like at that level matt gates uh dan crenshaw you have, like, that's what I'm saying, like, the upstart, like, politicians and stuff that are coming up. There's not one person on the national level, like, uh, Alexandra uh, Cortez or whatever, uh, that, you know, AOC, the 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 gang or whatever, Ilhan Omar and stuff like that. If you're at that level of, like, young celebrity politician, it's like, no, you're a fucking clown. Not one person is, is representative of democracy, yeah. 
Well, thanks, man, for letting me talk. Everything was cool. All right, bro, yeah, well, let's stay in touch. Yeah, hit me up on Instagram whenever. Yeah, invite me back whenever you want to have a... I'll put your, uh, I'll put your, I'll put your link tree in the video description. Link tree is probably the best thing, right? Um, Send them all the places the at once. Pod page, just, yeah, link tree is good. Uh, link tree is obviously the best one. And uh, if you could, podpage.com slash beyond top secret Texas. Um, I'll go ahead and send you a link on Instagram so you just copy and paste it. All right, sounds good. All right, thank you very much, man. You just have me on again whenever you want. All right, I'll see you later. Thanks a lot. Peace out.